I'm going to break in on my series, and I haven't spoken on Thanksgiving in several years. And I give—I usually give Pam the message title on Wednesday, so she can send it in for the bulletin. And I entitled this, How Can I Say Thanks? And we're in Psalm 100, if you'd like to turn with me. Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5. We're all familiar with this. Here's what it says. Make a joyful shout. King James says, Noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is, good, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. Amen. Praise the Lord. How can I say thanks? Johnny Carson, of course, was on the Tonight Show so many years. He was a comedian. Here's what he said one time. Thanksgiving is an emotional holiday. People and relatives travel thousands of miles to be with people they see only once a year. And then they discover that once a year is too often. <laughs> I hope that's not the case at your family. Uh, they ask a pastor to speak at the Chamber of Commerce convention or a year-end meeting. And they, they brought the pastor in there to say the prayer before the food, before the say a blessing. And they were all there, and the master of ceremonies got up and said a few remarks and everything. And then they served everybody, and everybody ate. And he forgot to ask the pastor to say thanks over the food or to bless it. And it hit him about the time everybody was finished eating. He said, I want to apologize. We invited the Reverend Jones here to, to say the prayer over the meal tonight. And I forgot. So I'm going to ask Reverend Jones if he'll come up here and say the prayer now, after the meal. And he come up there, and here's what he said. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes we say thank you after the fact. Sometimes we forget it altogether. Here's a quote. What if you woke up tomorrow with only the things that you thank God for today? It's not happy people that are thankful, but thankful people that are happy. Sometimes we forget to say thanks to God. Are you a thankful person? Francis Schaeffer said this, very powerful statement, years ago. He said, the beginning of man's rebellion against God was and is the lack of a thankful heart. Once you lose appreciation and great gratitude and thankfulness for God, for what he's done and given to you, it goes downhill. And here's what he said, Romans 1.21, it says this, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. It's the beginning of a downward spiral. Jesus, the Son of God, this would be a good series. The times Jesus gave thanks to God, the Father. Let me read you some scriptures. Matthew eleven twenty five. This is right after the cities had rejected him. They'd seen all the miracles he'd done and still rejected him. Here's what he said. Jesus answered and said to them, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them 
undebated. I thank you that you hid it from some and revealed it to others. Here's another case. This is when he fed the 4,000. He fed the 5,000. He also fed the 4,000. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave it to the multitude. Here's another situation. He thanked God for what he's fixing to do even before he did it. He's at the tomb of Lazarus. He's fixing to roll back the stone, and Lazarus is fixing to come out. And it says, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Thanking God before the prayers even materialized for the answer that's coming. And, of course, he thanked him for the cross. We call it communion. It's where we break bread and all, and reminded of the cross. It says this, And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. Verse 19 of 20, Luke 22 said, And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The times Jesus gave thanks. 1863, very important year, the middle of the Civil War. It was going hot and heavy. President Abraham Lincoln did two very powerful things in 1863 that he's known for. One, he gave the Gettysburg Address. He's commemorating the famous battle in the Civil War of Gettysburg. But the second thing he did, he instituted the first official Thanksgiving holiday. He said, it seemed to me fit and proper that the gracious gifts of the Most High God should be solemnly and reverently and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. He did this in the midst of the worst war America had ever been in. When we were in the Methodist church, we used to sing this song from time to time. It said, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. It will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. I don't know how many of you have heard of Dallas Willard. He was kind of a philosopher, Christian writer. He died May the 8th, 2013. They wrote a biography about him. A guy named Gary Moon wrote the biography about his life. And he described his last day on earth. He was in the hospital, very weak. He had a friend sitting with him there to kind of watch for him. He's sleeping, getting closer to death. The nurse come in at 4.30 in the morning, 4.30 to turn him. And she turned him, and when she did, it woke him up, and it woke the man up that was sitting there uh, waiting with him. And Dallas saw him over there again, and he, with a very soft voice, he said, Come here, Clark. And Clark came over there, and they grabbed him by the hand. He said, I appreciate you and your family and all that you've meant to me. And he turned loose of Clark's hand, and he laid back in his bed. And he said, Thank you. He said, He wasn't saying it to me that time he was saying it to God and he breathed his last breath and died 
his last words on earth were thank you to God. And I want to talk about thanks to God today, how we can say thanks in this very familiar passage of Scripture. First of all, you thank him with your voice. Verse 1, let's read verse 1. Make a joyful shout or a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye lands. This is a psalm of praise. We're admonished to thank God for who he is and what he's done. He tells us in this passage of Scripture how to thank him, when to thank him, where to thank him, and, and all aspects of thanking God found in this little passage of Scripture right here. Kaufman Kohler says the Jewish encyclopedia has more words for joy and rejoicing than any other dialect. He said in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word has 13 roots and 27 different, 27 different words for how to thank God. Thanksgiving is supposed to be expressed verbally. I guarantee if you're a halfway decent parent, you're very conscious of how your children respond when they're given something. And you watch and see if they're going to say anything or take off with it. And if they don't, you're going to say, what do you say? We're very quick to make sure they say thank you and show appreciation and gratitude for the gift or whatever they've been given. I wonder how often God's children run off without saying thanks. Here's a statement you want to remember. The only thing worse than saying thank you and not meaning it is meaning it and not saying it. Jesus healed ten lepers, nine of them. I preached a sermon one time on God notices a thank you. Nine of them walked away. All ten were healed. Nine walked away. And Jesus told the one that came back to thank him, he said, where are the other nine? He notices when we don't say thank you, we don't express it. Now, thankfulness is an uh, expression of joy. Uh, can you imagine this? Now, my kids like to watch me watch a football game because it's, it's usually a running commentary, and I've, I've got a lot to say and, and get a little carried away sometimes. I'm saying, that's why I don't like them to come watch it with me. And I was watching it with my son, Brandon. He's wild. I'll just be honest. He's flat wild at a football game. Uh, I, I kind of get a little nervous. If he had a gun, he'd love to shoot somebody. Uh, but he goes wild. But I do. they laugh at me the whole time, but... Can you imagine the announcer coming up at the beginning of the game and uh, telling people to thank, to cheer for their team? He's not going to do that. That's, it's, a, it's a natural expression when you're overjoyed, when you're happy. Uh, it's an outburst of joy. They say in Key West, I've never been to Key West, but at Key West there's a pier at Mallory Square. And tourists from all over come to that pier and lean up on the railing at sunset with their cameras to take pictures of the most beautiful sunset you've ever seen. And as soon as the sun dips down below the horizon, usually every time they say they erupt with cheers and clapping. I don't even think they realize it, but they're clapping for the, the artist that made that pretty picture. And they don't even realize it a lot of times. The word enthused, where we get the word enthusiasm, is a, from a Greek word that means possessed by God. You don't see a lot of enthusiasm in the house of God. It's because a lot of people aren't possessed by God sometimes. Uh, but you should burst forth. It's, a, it's, a, it's an emotion of praise and thanksgiving because you're overwhelmed with God and for what he's done and who he is. If you were to go to the, I don't know what it costs now, but if you were to go buy a brand new pickup truck 
Say you was going to spend $80,000. You got a nice pickup truck. You're going to be paying $1,000 a month for the next seven years or whatever for it. You may be glad you've got it, but you get to thinking as you drive off, man, I got to pay for this thing for the next six, seven years. Kind of takes the edge off. Now, if somebody come in there and said, here's the keys to an $80,000 pickup truck, you're going to have a different reaction because you didn't earn the money, you didn't deserve the, the truck or whatever. Somebody gifted that to you. It's a whole different feeling, a whole different expression right there. One of the reasons that we aren't thankful is because we feel like we're entitled to things today. We are, we're a people that feel like somebody owes us. John Maxwell said one time, as soon as you're born, you're in debt because you owe your mama nine months room and board. <laughs> we are an entitled society. When you feel entitled, when you feel that you owed it, you earned it or whatever, you deserve it, then you're not grateful for it. Because it's, it's, it's not something out of the ordinary. You've paid for that. Listen to some of these. These are some of the uh, lawsuits. That's why we have so many lawsuits today. Because everybody, I want what's coming to me. I want what I uh, deserve. Here's some stupid ones. I just wrote down a few of them. But the San Francisco Giants were sued a few years ago for passing out Father's Day gifts to men only. <laughs> a psychology professor sued for sexual harassment because they had the, pre the presence of mistletoe at a Christmas party. A psychic in California not only sued but was awarded $986,000 because the doctor's cat skin messed up her psychic abilities. And she won almost a million dollars. If she's a real psychic, she should have known not to go to that doctor and get that thing. Uh, but anyway, it's amazing. 1860, a ship on Lake Michigan, terrible storm. Ship was going down. A man named Edward Spencer rescued 17 people on Lake Michigan. Dozens and dozens died. He rescued 17 people. Not long afterwards, I don't know if it was months or a year or whatever, he became sick and died himself. They are asking him before he died, though, what he remembered about that event where he rescued 17 people. He said, I remember one thing, not one person thanked me. It's amazing, isn't it? You, you thank God, not just it's in my heart. He knows it's in my heart. You've got to express it. It comes out of your mouth. You, you thank God with your voice. You thank God with your service. Look at verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Now, when you become a child of God, you've got a lot of different roles, a lot of different ways you're described in the Bible. Here's the way you're described. You're described as a son of God or a daughter of God. You're described as a saint of God. That's one called out, set apart. You're described as a soldier in the army of the Lord. You're described as a steward who's been entrusted with the master with things you're supposed to watch out for, for your master. And you're described as a servant, a son, a saint, a soldier, a steward, and a servant. Now, we express God thanks to God with how we serve him. There was an old song years ago. I don't know how long ago it was. Bill Gaither might have wrote it. It said, I will serve thee because I love thee. You have given life to me. I was nothing 
before you found me, you have given life to me. We used to also sing another song. So I, uh, it said, I, I will serve him because I love him. Uh, the longer I serve him, the sweeter it grows. That's the song I was thinking of. The more that I love him, more love he bestows. Each day is like heaven. My heart overflows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. There are two broad sections of, of the labor force today. You're either in a job that produces a product or you're in a job that provides a service. N nothing right or wrong about each one, but that's kind of how it's divided up. We're servants in many ways in the kingdom of God. Let me read you some scriptures, talk about our role as servants. John 12, 26, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Galatians 5, 13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Matthew 23, 11, But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Life's not about taking, it's about giving. That's one of the ways you express your thanks to God for bringing you out of a life of bondage. You want to serve Him now, just like uh, you were once a slave, now you're, uh, you give yourself to him willfully in service. Charles Spurgeon, one of the most famous preachers in modern days, he was considered the prince of preachers. He had a church of two or 3,000 people, and he was very famous. Somebody asked his father, his father's name was John Spurgeon, how come your son's so famous and nobody's heard of you? And he said this, well, I'll say this, I'm proud of my son, but when I stand before God, he's not going to say, well done, thou good and famous servant. He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But we're here to serve. We're here to serve God. That's how you express your thanks to him, not only with your voice, but with your service. Here's something you ought to thank him for. Thank him for your life. Look at verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God created this universe and it's a marvelous thing. That same God created us and we're marvelous in His sight. That's what the Bible says. Jeremiah says, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. and Before you came out of the womb, I sanctified thee. So we're valuable and we're special to God Almighty. We're unique down to our fingerprints. None of us are alike. We're all unique individuals created especially by God. And we've got a life He's given us. Now, life is a gift of God. Some people have a hard life. Some people have an easier life. Some people are born with a silver spoon. Some people have nothing but heartache, it seems like. But life is a valuable thing. Jesus said this one time, one of the reasons life's so valuable because we're a living soul, we're made in the image of God. He said, what would it gain a person if they gained the whole world and lost their soul? What would a man give in exchange for a soul? You could have everything in this world, every piece of real estate, 
everything out there if it all belonged to you. And I can't imagine the cost of that. He said, you, your soul's worth more than that because it's eternal. You know why life is not valued anymore? I'll give you three big reasons why life is not valued. One, for the last hundred plus years, we've been teaching something called evolution. And basically it's just saying that man is not a special creation of God, made in the image of God. Man's just evolved over millions of years a higher form of an animal. We're no different than the other animal king. We've just evolved a little farther, a little, a little higher. And so life doesn't mean a lot because we're nothing special about us. Second thing that's devalued life is when we got rid of the death penalty. You say, man, I don't understand that. Well, the Bible says this. Here's what the Bible says about uh, murder. It says, well, whoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. And that's showing you how precious life is. If you take somebody's life, you've got to give your life for it. But we've come along with so many psychologists and people that examine things in a system now that's changed. Now, if you take somebody's life, you'll go to prison, and we'll, we'll pay for you to be in prison for so many years and probably let you out early. Because life doesn't mean anything anymore. Abortion. That is devalued life. The same people are screaming for the little children in Palestine, and I feel for them little children, are fighting to be able to kill a child in your womb. Things like that is devalued life. Life is a precious gift. And as Americans, we've been given a special gift of life here. Listen to this. Hard to grasp, but listen to this. We're a blessed people. If you were to take the whole world, which now is about eight, almost 8 billion people, and you reduce it down, keep the ratios the same, and reduce it down to a city of 1,000 people, here's what that city would look like. 46 of that 1,000 would be Americans. The other 954 would represent the rest of the world's population. Those 46 Americans would receive half of the income of that city. And the other 954 would receive the other half and divide it up among themselves. The 46 Americans would have a life expectancy of between 75 and 80 years, while the other 954 would have a life expectancy of less than 50 years. Americans would have 15 times as many possessions per person as all the rest of the people, while the American would receive more than their daily food requirements, 800 of that 954 left would have less than what we would call a balanced meal. We got a lot to be thankful for in our life here. Uh, you thank him for your life. Thank him for his presence. Here's something you ought to thank God for. Look at this. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Now, the Israelites were God's chosen people. God chose them sovereignly. They were called the apple of his eye. They rebelled against him a lot of times. Sin turned against him. He'd spank them, bring them back, but he put up with them. He had a covenant with them. He protected them. He provided for them. He spoke to them. One of the things that made them different is God would lead and guide them through the days of the tabernacle or the days of the temple. But in the tabernacle or the temple in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And God's presence would be in the ark, over, over the Ark of the Covenant. And one time a year, the high priest would go in there on the Day of Atonement and offer into the presence of the Lord and offer a, a sacrifice 
for the sins of the people. That was the presence of the Lord. But, you know, that was in the temple. We are now the temples of the God. We're the temples of the Spirit of God. God dwells in us. I don't know if you realize that. God's presence is with us. Paul said to the men on Mars Hill, God's not far away, for in him we live and move and have our being. In other places it says, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That means God's presence dwells within us. One little five-year-old boy was sick and didn't go to church that Sunday, and his mama stayed home with him. His big brother came home with a palm branch. It was Palm Sunday. And he said, what is that? He said, palm branches. They gave us these palm branches in church today. It's what you wave when Jesus is coming by. He said, man, wouldn't you know it? One day I missed church. Jesus showed up. Anyway, uh, we, we thank God for his presence. His presence. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. We thank God for his attributes. Look at verse 5. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. I want to look at three of those attributes real quickly that we should be thanking God for. His goodness. The Reader's Digest Complete Oxford Word Finder says the word good is used in our vocabulary in so many different ways. Let me just give you some of the ways we use the word good. He's good at math. That means he's competent. Do you have a good set of brakes on that car? That means do you have a reliable set of brakes? The weather was good all day. That means it was usually sunny and wasn't too hot or whatever. It didn't rain. It was good weather. You got a very good child. That means their behavior was good. I'm going to give it a good washing. That means I'm going to give it a thorough washing. We had a good crowd at church Sunday. That doesn't mean people were good. It means the crowd was big in number. Is the milk any good in the refrigerator? You're asking, is it fresh or is it out of its date and spoiled and sour? I got a good buy on that car. That means I got a good deal or a bargain. We use that word good in all types of sentences and has all different shades of meaning. Goodness is when you treat someone in a way that is for their good and benefit. The New Testament says over and over again how good God is. Here's what the writer said in Psalm 107.1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Let's look at a few other scriptures. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Look at Romans 8, 28. We all know this one. We know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Psalm 33, 5 says this. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. We thank God for his goodness. We thank God for his mercy. You ever read Psalm 136? got 26 verses and every verse says the same thing his mercy endures forever every verse says his mercy is endures forever mercy is the cousin of grace the flip side of grace grace i've always been taught from school on grace is god's unmerited favor where god gives us something we don't deserve mercy is the opposite of that 
It's the negative of that. Whereas God withholds something we do deserve. We thank God for grace. We thank God for mercy. One woman went up to Napoleon. Her son had done something wrong. He was going to be deserving of death. And she went up to Napoleon and said, Please, I beg you, show mercy to my son. He said, Ma'am, your son does not deserve mercy. She said, I know. But if he deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. Mercy is when you're not given something that you deserve truly to get. Uh, here's a guy that's not real smart, maybe one of the dumbest people I've ever heard. Uh, his name is Mustafa al-Shakaraji or something. Uh, he's from Iraq. He's a pharmacist. He moved to Queensland, Australia in 2002. He got a speeding ticket, speeding ticket for $250. He went to court to fight it. He said he was not speeding. Well, he kept losing battle. He's been to five different courts. Spent lots of money on lawyers and all time. He has spent over $100,000 fighting a $250 speeding ticket. That is not a smart person uh, at all. But we're not looking for justice like he is. We're looking for mercy. We're thanking God for mercy. Here's what the Bible says in Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of generation and renewing of the Holy Ghost. We thank God for His goodness. We thank God for His mercy. We thank God for His truth. When a person stands on a witness stand, they always say, you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Truth is a very important thing. If we don't have truth, our whole society breaks down. And I'm telling what, you don't know who to believe anymore. We're living a world of such deception. You can't even believe what you see anymore. Here's what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey my command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Jesus said this. If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free or make you free. A lot of the things that we think are true are not true. And things that we don't think much of is where the truth is a lot of times. Listen to some of these things right here. What we believe might not always be true. How many people are murdered a year? Well, 14,180. But how many people kill themselves a year? 33,289, two and a half times more killed himself. How many burglaries? 2.2 million average. But how many steal your identity, your credit card or whatever? 8.3 million. How many shark attacks a year? Everybody's scared of going away. I'd hate to be eat up by a shark. About 28 a year. How many are attacked by dogs? 4 million a year. How many die as an allergic reaction to peanuts? Used to deal with peanut farmers all the time, and they were always fighting the government, you know, all these regulations everything. How many die from an allergic reaction to peanuts? Between 50 and 100 people a year. How many people die each year from unintentional poisoning? 27,531. How many die from plane accidents? 321 a year. How many die from car crashes? 34,017. 
Truth is important. Sometimes what we believe or what we perceive is not really the truth, and the truth is somewhere else. James Dobson made this statement here. It's a very powerful statement. If you tell me the truth all the time, I can believe you all the time. If you tell me the truth part of the time, I can't believe you any of the time. Truth is everything. Jesus and the Lord's goodness and His mercy and His truth. I'm going to start winding this down a little bit as we talk about Thanksgiving a little bit. I am thankful. Here's what somebody said. These are things we usually grumble and gripe about. He said, I am thankful that I pay taxes because it means I'm employed. I am thankful that my clothes fit me a little snug. That means I've had plenty to eat. I am thankful that the yard needs mowing and the windows need cleaning and the gutters need fixing. It means I got a home to live in. I'm thankful that my heating bill for my heating bill because it means I've got to stay warm. I'm thankful that the lady behind me in church sings off key. It means I can still hear. <laughs> I'm thankful the alarm clock goes off early in the morning. It means I'm alive. Listen to this. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you're more blessed than six million people who will not make it to the end of this week. If you've not experienced the loneliness of being imprisoned or jailed or the pains of starvation, you're ahead of 500 million people in this world. If you can attend a church meeting without fear of being harassed, persecuted, ridiculed, and so forth, you're more fortunate than three million people in this world. There was an article one time of the, the nine lepers that didn't come back and, and give thanks to Jesus for healing them. Only the one did. And it gave the nine reasons that they didn't come back. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'll give you some of them. It says one of them didn't come back. Because he wanted to make sure he was really healed before he gave God thanks for something God didn't deserve. One of them didn't come back because he was waiting to see if that healing was going to last before he gave God thanks. One didn't come back because he said he'd probably see Jesus later down the road and he'd thank him then. One didn't come back because he got to thinking, I'm not even sure I had leprosy to begin with. One didn't come back because he gave all of his thanks to the priest when he had pronounced him clean. You know, a lot of us would give more of our praise to the man than the one who really is our healer. Uh, listen to this guy right here, Douglas Conant. He was a CEO of Campbell's Soup. Everybody's heard of Campbell's Soup. He was their CEO for 10 years. What makes him unique? He wrote over 30,000 thank you notes while he was CEO of Campbell Soup Company, thanking his employees. He would take about an hour every day, sometime during the day, he tried to do it each day, to tell people thank you for the job they did. 30,000 thank you notes. I was looking at something the other day. There was a little boy on the Internet who was giving thanks to God. He was saying prayer over the meal. It's a little three-year-old boy in preschool. And uh, I want you to look at him, watch him giving thanks to God for the food. Look at his heart. Father God, we thank you. We thank you. 
The sincerity of thanks. This coming Thursday is Thanksgiving. We'll all get together and probably eat way too much. What is, what is the day, especially in the retail market, what is the day after Thursday called in the retail world? Black Friday. Now, Black Friday is the busiest shopping day of the whole year. Black Friday is whenever you get the best deals uh, and so forth, and it starts getting the retailers out of the hole they've been in all year because the last month and a half or so is when they really uh, get out of the red a lot of times. But here's what took place. It always was the day after Thanksgiving. But what they started doing years ago, they started opening up like some would open up 4 or 5 or 6 in the morning instead of 10 o'clock when they usually open or whatever. And they'd, they'd open up early to give people an early shot to go in there and start getting their whatever they're going to buy. And then in 2011, Target, Best Buy, and Macy's began to open up at midnight of Thanksgiving. Right, right when it turned midnight, you could go in there and do your shopping. And then 2012... Walmart opened on Thanksgiving evening. And I looked just the other day, many stores now are open on Thanksgiving. Bass Pro, Cabela's, even stores like CVS and Dollar General and so forth, many of them will be open on Thanksgiving. I know people are looking for deals. But Thanksgiving's a big deal too. And giving God thanks. You know, it seems like the world's constantly stealing something that's important from us. And they're trying to steal, the enemy's trying to steal from the people of God our giving thanks to God. One man said this one day. He had an old screen door. Well, we all know what screen doors were like. They used to have a lot of screen doors either had that it was either a spring or a piston or something up there. You could go on at it and it would close itself. You remember? He said his broke. And he kept running out of there and uh, looked back. The thing was still open because it wouldn't shut. He said, I got to thinking about that. I did that several times realizing the thing wouldn't shut on its own anymore. Something that insignificant. I didn't appreciate it until it wasn't there. There's a lot of things in life we don't appreciate till they're not there anymore. Thanksgiving's a real thing. Can you imagine going to the football game and the announcer, I mentioned it earlier, the announcer saying this, all those on Williston side when Williston does something good, I would like for everybody to cheer. And those on the other team side, you feel free to cheer for your team if they do something good. That'd be the stupidest thing in the world, to tell people they need to cheer when something good happens. And it's really silly for a preacher to have to tell the church, well, we ought to get up and praise God. Because something good has happened. 2,000 years ago, something good happened. And even today, something good's happened to us. 
So I'm going to ask you to stand up. Do something really stupid to ask you to stand up and ask you to lift up your hands and give praise to God and give Him the greatest shout of praise and thanks for all that He's done for you and all that He means to you and what He's guided you through, what He's protected you from, His goodness, His mercy, His truth that's been given to you. God, we thank You, Lord, for life. We thank You for breath. We thank You for a home. We thank You for a country. We thank You for our family. We thank You so much, Lord, for things that we just take for granted. And sometimes they're not going to be there. Don't ever let us take You for granted, God. May we never be a people that have to be pumped and primed and begged and borrowed and threatened to praise our God. Our God is good. All the time our God is good. Our God's been good to us. We don't deserve, we don't deserve what He's done for us. We don't deserve, some of us should have been dead, but God rescued us. Some of us have been brought from the depths of the pit of hell, and God's given us a new life, a new hope. God, we praise you today. We thank you, Lord, as the people of God. We give you praise. May the rocks never cry out in our place, Lord. May we never be ashamed to tell the doctor, Doctor, I thank you for what you did, but my God has healed me. May we never be afraid to tell others the goodness of our God. God, help us not only feel it in our heart with gratitude, but express it with our lips and serve you with our life. And may we truly thank you. This life is good because our God who gave it to us is so good to us. We praise you today, Lord, as we celebrate Thanksgiving this week. May we never lose sight of the life, and the love, the gift, and the grace that's been given to us. We give you praise, glory, and honor today, Lord. May Thanksgiving be a part of our daily walk. May we thank you today because tomorrow, if it was taken away, what, a bit, what an awful thing it would be to have never thanked you when we had it. In Jesus' name we praise you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Praise God.